Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Hello, everybody. We are back. We are here. We are live. My name is Maccabee, and this is Beyond the Pen, where we help you unleash your creativity through interviews with unknown and newly published authors, as well as some of the experts within the industry that will help you become successful. If this is your first time being here, thank you for giving us a chance. We appreciate you. And if you've been here multiple times, thank you for the support. We truly, truly appreciate you coming back every week. Now, if you haven't had the chance to catch the first part of this enlightening two-part episode with contract negotiator and literary agent, Mr. Corey Rice, about book publishing contracts, I strongly recommend you go back and give it a listen to because he shared with us some invaluable insights about contracts, copyrights, and all the things that you need to know as an inspiring author before you sign on the dotted lines. So in this episode, we continue that conversation and even give you some real-life scenarios from the desk of Mr. Corey Rice. You're going to hear some things about the publishing industry that you thought you would never hear, as well as giving even more tips and tricks to keep you out of those same situations. So without further delay, let's dive into the second part of our conversation with the knowledgeable and encourageable Mr. Corey Rice. Let's look at it from a publisher's point of view, because I think this is something that a lot of people need to look at it from both sides when it comes to these contracts, because these contracts, like you said, they're locked in. What are some of the more unique contracts that you have read that was something specific to the publisher? Having an idea of, okay, I'm a publisher. I want to make sure that Chels has 10 books within five years. So I'll say that is something, you know, um, in, in Chelsea's, she absolutely has that stipulation. She has to produce a certain number of books per year. Uh, that is something I have not seen in a lot of contracts. A lot of these other contracts I've seen with other publishers do not require a certain number of books in a year. 
Um, if you are in a series, a lot of times they will say your series must be wrapped up within, you know, the term of the contract, which is five years. So really you have, you know, your, how many ever your series would be five books. You're going to have to do five books in five years, but it's not, you have to crank out two books every year. Like that is, that is not something I typically find in these contracts. I would also negotiate that depending on what the author wants. You know, it, it's one of those bad situations that you get into when you put somebody in something like that, because, you know, as somebody who's creating, I'm not a creative person. I'm a, I'm a very analytical person, but I can imagine what being creative feels like. And for somebody to tell me I have to finish, I have to come up and finish on a deadline with something that is nonfiction is crazy to me. I, I did write before it was, it was for a paper. Um, having a deadline with a paper is a little different. A fictional deadline, I can't, I can't force myself to be creative. I really wouldn't recommend authors signing up for that. If you can get out of that timeline inside a contract, absolutely try to negotiate that. Outside of that, there was a, a publisher um, that was uh, offering stock in their future if they ever went public. They were, you get so much pretend stock. And um, okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I have to stop you yeah. on this one because this this publisher has some aspirational dreams. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm a little speechless on that one because that would be a pure red. There would not be any red ink left yes. in my pen to mark that out. I uh, it, so the funny thing was was they weren't trying to lower the commission off of the book and then offsetting it with stock. It was an addition to. So it was like, hey, if you sign this, you know, you get whatever, and then you also get this particular cut of stock, and and on top of that. Um, so I did get three times higher stock on that contract, just in case it, they do ever go public. <laughs> my author does get three times the amount of stock they offered. Uh, oh my god! I told her not to bank on retiring on that. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely not see that as the uh, my retirement plan per se on this. Um, I there's just a lot that that's out there and I know that everybody wants to go directly to okay let's talk about royalties let's talk about about the nitty gritty let's talk about my wallet because that is the thing that everybody wants to know because you know Chelsea you can talk about this a lot you know being a writer is hard it takes a long time, a lot of hours to put into this. And, you know, for some people, they're writing while they're going to work. There are those that are lucky that can just write and not have to worry about going to work. Between you, Chelsea, and Corey, what are some of these, the, the big things that people should look out for when they're trying to consider royalties and royalty sharing and all these other things within a contract. So one of the things I would recommend up front before Chelsea jumps on this train, um, I would recommend doing uh, a hard price per medium. So you, instead of saying you get 15%, you say, I get $6 for a hard cover. I get $2 for, for a soft cover. I get a dollar for an audiobook. Because if you if you don't do that and you accept the percentage instead, you get publisher house fuckery. 
And so they're going to come around and they're going to say, oh, well, we sold this hardcover for $15 because it was a convention, even though it's $45 on Amazon, your, your cut is now half of what it should be. And you have no ability to really know, did they sell it for $15 at that convention like that? So you always want to start with, with by medium, the amount that you're going to make. The other thing that you really want to watch for is what your royalties come after. So some of these places say, you know, you get your royalties after we cover our costs. Well, that costs can be anything they make up. They can say our office building, that's my house, is a cost. My mortgage is $7,000 a month. I have to pay that $7,000 before I start paying royalties because I have to pay for my office. You shouldn't be paying that person's house. That's what you're paying for in the 60% that they're taking off the cover. So um, those are the kind of things you want to make sure that you are getting it straight off the top, off of the sale, and really that hard fixed number versus a percentage so that they can't do any kind of uh, changing, messing around on it. Yeah, 100%. That is exactly what I think. And you have to go in it with a realistic expectation. We have spoken a couple times to some authors on this podcast that said that they expected their royalties to be this insane amount. That is not what it's going to be. You have to put in a lot of work. You don't just put this book out there and all of a sudden everybody is buying it and everybody's clamoring for it, unless you're typically from the big five or you're one of these crazy social media people that can swing that. It takes time to build a brand. It takes time to build up your sales and your audience and people taking chances on things like that. So maybe for your first year, you don't do well, but your second one should be better. Your third one should be better and you should constantly be building yourself up. Now, like Corey said, making sure that you have a predetermined amount per book would have been brilliant for me to have thought of, which would have been lovely, honey. Um, but it's also one of those things where it's one of the mistakes that I made in the past so that we can tell you now, because this is, you know, it's, it's constantly an evolving industry and they are, you know, some of these publishers, they're very slimy. They are very manipulative. They make you seem like you're getting the world, but you may not be at the end of the day. They have a lot of hidden fees, as it were. Yeah, I, I was about to say that because when I was looking through all this stuff, because again, so many different types of contracts and now knowing that there's not really a standard contract within the publishing world that would basically mean to me there's not a standard royalty amount in the publishing world but it's just like any business right so any business you go to they all have their own contracts their own rules and everything like that and one of the things you have to realize is these publishers are just another business they're they're a business they are going to try to make money any way they can and one of the most efficient ways to do that is to take it out of your royalties to make you seem like you're going to be getting a lot more when at the end of the day you are not. Yeah. So I, I would definitely agree with Corey on, on the whole idea of, Hey, for hard copies, I get $6 out of each one for a medium or whatever the case and so on and so forth. Like we said, what are some of the obligations that they're looking at for you comparative to what you are looking at for them, i.e. social media marketing. Is that something, Corey, that you think that should always be in a contract? Uh, yeah, you should absolutely have marketing terms defined on both sides. You know, what you don't want to have from, from the publishing side is where, you know, there is something in there that says you have to provide your own social media marketing. 
that's too broad. You want to make sure you scope that down and you understand because then what happens is the publisher is going to come to you and say, you have to post on social media three times a day. You have to get Facebook ads. You have to do this, like this insane amount. Social media advertising has blown up so much over the last like two and a half years. And it's ridiculous. Nobody watches, nobody listens. Everybody tunes it out. It's overdone, but they shove it down these people's throats that they need to keep doing it. Um, there are other ways to get the the marketing things out there. There's direct marketing campaigns, and you want to make sure that those are specified in your contract as, as clearly defined as possible in both regards, what the publisher is expecting of you and what you're expecting of them. For the, for the publisher to say, we'll handle marketing, that's too broad stroke. You know, I've had publishers that are like, no, we're doing all of this marketing, but couldn't prove a single thing. That's for a single screenshot of a single marketing thing couldn't produce me a single screenshot. So you can't argue with it because they say they're doing the marketing. Who knows what that might be? Maybe they handed out a flyer somewhere and they consider that marketing. Um, if it if it's defined clearly in the contract on what is expected, then, then you both know where you stand. So now what happens, we've gone through this entire thing. You've got your contract, you've published your books, and then you've hit the dreaded, somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do what they have said they're going to do and what they are contractually obligated to do. What do you recommend people do? So the first step is communication. You know, that's really what it comes down to. So as an author, you reach out first and you say, Hey, I'm not getting the love that I'm supposed to get on this. I was supposed to get marketing. I'm not getting the marketing. They, they handle it, you know, okay, we'll take care of it. And maybe they do take care of it. Maybe they just didn't realize it. It gets overlooked depending on how big they are, depending on who they are, it could be a problem. Let's say they don't do it. Then you want to reach out to whoever your agent or your manager is and you say, hey, I'm not getting this. I want you to reach out to them. Then I would then reach out to them. Now, one of the things I always ask for up front is fact. I can't argue opinion. If somebody comes to me and says, well, I'm just not getting what I need. Well, that's that could be anything. That's too arbitrary. I need fact of what you're not getting. Your contract states they're going to run two marketing campaigns a year. They've run zero. It's now December. I need that information. Then I go and I talk with them about it and I point it out. And when I point it out, I point it out a little different. You're pointing it out like you're their employee. Hey, I'm not happy. I'm not doing, you know, I'm not getting what I need. When I point it out, I point it out in the, you're not following the contract. We're looking at potential damages here. Like we need to resolve this because step three is now lawyer time. So you turn it over to the legal department. Then you get into two things. You have either damages or you have arbitration. No, nobody ever wants to go to a lawsuit. That's 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 not good for anybody involved. The only people that make money in that case is the lawyers. A smart publisher knows that. So they're going to want to do arbitration and they're going to want to figure out how to make it happy to where you're getting what you need and they're getting what they need. Or they're going to say, hey, I don't want to deal with this person anymore. They're going to find a clause in the contract and they're going to just cut the ties and you're going to get your stuff back. That might be a win depending on what you're wanting. But again, 95% of the people I talk to hate their publishers. Maybe it's the self-publishing route you want to go at that point because you're the only person that's going to be able to do what you know you want them to do. But that's typically the escalation path from beginning to end. So what happens if the author is the person? We've talked about what happens when the publisher doesn't do it. Let's say the publisher falls through, whatever it may be. Let's say an author decides, hey, I know I signed up for two books a year, but I'm really not feeling it this year. What can a publisher do? So it's it's the exact same path, the opposite direction. And a well-crafted contract, which I've seen, actually has damages listed. 
Um, one of the contracts that I've seen uh, spelled out that if they had a breach of contract, if the author had a breach of contract, did not provide the book, they would be held for damages. The estimation from the publisher was $50,000. So they said up front, if you don't provide us your book, we're, we're going to sue you for $50,000. Um, you should probably get your book done, especially if you allowed that in that contract. Um, a well-crafted contract has that spelled out, and that's really the key to contract. As much definition as you can get to, pre to prevent these arbitrary things from happening. I agree with you. It definitely makes sense because it is a business. You know, everybody's got to watch out for themselves because there's always going to be that one out there, as Chell says, that's sleazy, and they're going to do excuse me, slimy, sleazy, same thing, that are going to do everything they can to protect themselves and put you in a predicament where even if you didn't see something when you were going through the reviewing part, you're, you're stuck with. Like that whole idea with the advancement and, oh, you didn't sell 100000 We're going to need, you know, $30,000 back. I'm like, oh, I don't have that. Well, now you're stuck. So I, I think when we're looking at this, this is something that truly everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to, as Chelsea's put it, get your own version of a Corey. And which, by the way, is going to be a cool idea for a shirt. Get your Corey. I actually have a shirt that says get a Corey. There you go. See? We're I do, but it's freezing. So <laughs> sweater. Yeah, well, I, I can agree on that because having someone that's in your corner is really going to help give you a better chance at being successful in this very saturated world of publishing. And again, coming to find out, Corey, what are some uh, other places that people can go to besides, you know, your local lawyer? Is there certain agencies that are out there, such as yours, that help them? Uh, yeah, I mean, any any sort of literary agent or literary manager is gonna is going to provide these services. You're gonna want to make sure though that you do your research, just like anybody else. You know, if you have somebody that that's promising all of these things, you know, they but aren't delivering, you're in the same place. But now you're paying somebody else to be just as miserable as whenever you know you had just started. One of the things that I do um, a little different is I actually only charge off of profit. I don't charge off of off of gross. So to me, I don't make money until my people are making money. If my person's working with their publisher and they're not getting what they need or they're getting into conventions and they're not getting what they need and they're not making any money, I'm not making anything off of it either. I have my contracts written that way. So I'm putting myself out there knowing that I am going to work hard because the more I'm doing for them, the more they're making, then I finally get something in there. What you don't want to sign up with is somebody who's charging a flat fee saying, oh, I'm just going to, it's just going to be what I forget. There was somebody who tried some kind of something with Chelsea that was like, or one of it was like $10,000 a month. They were asking for these kind of services and, and marketing and things. Never. You're never going to make that money back. You're never going to to ever recuperate that, no matter what services they're providing. So look for somebody who's who's vested in you and making sure you're being successful. And that's the kind of, of agency or people that you want working for you. 
Corey, thank you for being on here. We appreciate you, man. We really do. Because uh, this is something I think every author, every creative writer who's wanting to be an author needs to know. We want to make sure that you are being protected. So now that you know what type of contracts are out there, some of the things that you need to know that are within the contracts, who to go to, how to do it. We've Corey's giving you so much information here. It's not even funny. Would you say it's a plethora of information? (laughs) Yes, it'd be a plethora of information. So Corey, where can they find you to check you out and see how you can help them? Um, the easiest way is through my email address, which is cr at immortalzagency.com. Um, you can just reach out to me directly. I answer all of my own things. I have my stuff up 24 hours a day. He doesn't do social media, guys. That's not even a joke. Like It's not like he's trying to be coy about it. He's so, he doesn't do it. So anybody who wants to talk about it, yes. I am a cybersecurity guy at heart. And so I don't do social media. I don't put those things out there. You're never going to find my mother's maiden name and what high school I went to. It's just not available. So really email address is what I stick to because that is the most untraceable thing. Charles, what school did he go to? Oh, I'm not doing that. He's literally down. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. I tried, guys. No, no, no. Didn't fall for that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's just everything else that she does. Exactly. I will share all the stories about him. We've done lots of stories about Corey on here. If you want to see him and you're not watching our YouTube right now, you can go over to my social media. He does make sneaky appearances that I don't even know if he knows because he doesn't have social media. So, I mean, you never know. You might see him pop in. And if he comes to any of the bookshops, he is a multi-talented person on top of doing the Immortal D and all of the things for me. I actually make him host some of our panels. so. Yes, he is just Corey. For those of you that have been to our panels and stuff, this is just Corey. <laughs> it is my completely different persona. I have multiple personalities. Yes. Just Corey is not one for daytime television. <laughs> we, we've heard the stories on here many, many times yeah. from Chels. Um, and, and if you're actually in a meeting with Corey before, you may get a glimpse of Chels in the background laying on the ground saying, I can't do this anymore. Yes, occasionally. You know, sometimes you gotta do. So yeah, two for one are there. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, again, Corey, <laughs> thank you for being here. We appreciate you. We appreciate the plethora of information you've given us. Absolutely. So, Chels, where can they find us at? All right, guys. So, this is our standard stuff. You can watch us every Tuesday and Thursday, 5 a.m. Are we still chilling at 5 a.m.? At 5 a.m. on Traverse TV. You can also get the new episodes on any of your favorite podcasting platforms through there. Check out beyondthepenpodcast.com and get all of our blogs, our information, maybe a little bio about Corey might appear. We'll find out. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Instagram at beyondthepenpod. And as always, I'm Maccabee. And I'm Chels. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we help you unleash your creativity. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. 
If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.